This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and a very warm welcome to our preview podcast. Now, we're publishing this show a little earlier than we usually do, but after nearly two weeks without a Liverpool match, hopefully you'll forgive us. And what a match the Reds are coming back to. It's a trip to Wembley for the Premier League leaders on Saturday dinner time to take on Tottenham. And we'll be getting the latest from both camps courtesy of our Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce and courtesy of Alistair Gold, who covers Spurs for the Football.London website. Now, Saturday's game was supposed to be Tottenham's first at their new ground, but as you'll know by now, that will not be the case. But while Spurs fans are frustrated by the delay, Alistair says it could actually be a good thing for the Spurs players. He also explains why the reintroduction of Toby Alderweireld and the form of Lucas Moura is causing Maurizio Pochettino problems and gives his take on the growing rivalry between Liverpool and Tottenham. But we'll kick off with my chat with James Pearce. You should hear from James again in our Friday Blood Red show and then definitely again in our post-game show that will be published after the match on Saturday. But for now, enjoy this preview podcast. And if you could be kind enough to review, rate and subscribe to this or any of our shows, then we will be very grateful. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi James, thank you very much for joining us. We've all missed club football in these past couple of weeks, but Liverpool, with a trip to Tottenham, it's not a bad game to come back to. It's certainly not. Um, one to absolutely relish. I think you know. I think Saturday marks the, the start of a of a really testing period for Liverpool, but undoubtedly a, a very exciting one and the kind of run of fixtures that you you want to be involved in. I think um, Liverpool have, have enjoyed a fantastic start to the season, their best since 1990. But, you know, I think probably before a ball was kicked, a lot of people would have expected them to win their first four games. Uh, they've done that, um, not in a particularly fantastic style, but have shown another side to their game in terms of being able to grind out results and, yeah, I think it's fair to say over the next three weeks, four weeks, we're going to learn a lot more about this Liverpool team and, and what they're capable of achieving this season, starting at Wembley on, on Saturday lunchtime. We certainly learned a lot about this Liverpool team last season after the trip to Wembley. You did a really, really good piece in, on the site this week, basically describing what happened behind closed doors after that 4-1 loss. Do you think not only was it a turning point in the season, but maybe Klopp had second thoughts about certain plays because you can see the defence has been transformed ever since. Yeah, it's it's amazing really to think that that was only 11 months ago. Um, you know, It was probably as bleak an afternoon as Liverpool have had under Klopp. I know obviously the defeat at Man City uh, the month before that was heavier in terms of the scoreline, but of course there were mitigating circumstances to that with, with Sadio Mane's red card and you know Liverpool were actually in that game for... For half an hour, but um, you know they were never in the game against Tottenham. You know, made such alarming mistakes, and you know there'd been a lot of talk in the you know for the first couple of years of Klopp's reign that he'd made Liverpool this great attacking force, but that defensively they were so vulnerable, and um, that was probably the lowest point defensively under Klopp. Just the manner in which the goals they conceded, of course, Lovren was a lightning rod for the criticism that day, and got hooked off after half an hour but you know it was a collective issue I know you know the meeting that Klopp called on that Monday morning was you know it it wasn't finger pointing at individuals the message was that it it just was a completely unacceptable as a unit you know the lack of the lack of communication the lack of organisation character really taking responsibility uh, leadership back there um, and and things had to, to change and 
Um, you know, I think he's done that in a number of ways in in the period since. Of course, getting the checkbook out has helped. Um, and of course, it'll be Alison Becker in goal on on Saturday rather than Simon Mignolet. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk probably has played a bigger part than anyone in that defensive transformation um, since he came in in January. Of, and then, but then you know you've also got the other side of it where you know Joe Gomez started at right back for that four one defeat. Um, but then got moved into centre back after Lovren got taken off because Chan ended up playing at right back. But um, you know Gomez is a very different player now um, to the to the player he was then. You know he, he certainly benefited from a full pre season uh, and getting a run of games. But also I think from working with Klopp on the training ground and um, you know what the two centre backs that day were, were Lovren and Matip initially. Of course you know this this time around it'd be Van Dijk and Gomez and similar at, at full back. You know it was. Um, Obviously, Gomez on one side, but Alberto Moreno was still Liverpool's left back then, and um, you know Andy Robertson was was it was it didn't even make the bench that day. He was waiting in the wings, and of course, you know Klopp has worked with him and helped him make that adjustment to the point now where you know arguably he's the best left back in in the Premier League. So, and then you throw into that mix the fact that Trent Alexander Arnold and just how far he's come. You know, he was an unused sub that day at Wembley. You know, since then. You know he's 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 made that right back spot his own. He's played in the Champions League final, played in the World Cup, uh, represented England. You know again. Um, so yeah, it is a it's a huge change, and um, you know, Saturday would be the perfect stage for Liverpool to show how far they've come. I know it's early in the season, but is it significant? You know, it's top them away. Probably a team that are going to challenge with Liverpool City for the title. Do you think there's there's more riding on this match than maybe another one five games in? Yeah, I think. It, because I think this this is the first proper test, so I think you know, and I think a draw there on Saturday would be a, a great result. I think you look at Liverpool's results away to the the, the top six last season; it wasn't good enough. You know, they, they 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 suffered some some really disappointing days. I think it's really important they go there and get something. You know, it's I don't think it's realistic to think Liverpool will go there and play Tottenham off the park. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it was another really scrappy game, just because. You know, I, th- I think the only shame with a fixture of this magnitude is the fact that it comes straight after an international break, where neither manager has had his full squad back together until a couple of days before the game. Then you throw into it, you got the lunchtime slot on a Saturday that they don't tend to make for for great spectacles. But you know, Liverpool have made a habit so far this season of finding a way um, to grind out a result, and I think Saturday. Will hopefully be more of the same. I think you know the fact that Tottenham have got a few missing plays yeah. into Liverpool's hands as well. Obviously, Pochettino came out and said that Lloris, the keeper, still definitely missing. So Michelle Vaughan, um, you know, isn't in Lloris's uh, category in terms of class. And Deli Ali, who's um, you know been a thorn in Liverpool's side at times, of course, scored in that four-one defeat last October. He won't be involved. Thrown into the mix, the fact that Son, who again has played well against Liverpool previously. Has only just come back from a month away at the Asian Games with South Korea. Um, you know, I think it's it's been well documented that Pochettino uh, hasn't got he certainly hasn't got the depth that that Klopp boasts. And um, yeah, you, I think you know it's, it's I wouldn't say it's a good time to face Spurs just because I think Klopp himself will hardly be enamoured with the build up that Liverpool have had with you know he'd only had two sessions to work with his full squad, but. Um, you know, I think it's fair to say Pochettino's got more problems than Klopp at the moment. We'll know more about team news tomorrow uh, on Friday when the press conference is made with, with Jurgen Klopp. 
But there's one story you've reported on today, Thursday, is about the, a little scare in the goalkeeping department. Yeah, young um, Kelleher, the uh, Republic of Ireland Youth International. Is, it's a shame, actually, he's facing a month, at least a month out, actually, a, a horrible training ground collision with Divock Origi on, on Tuesday that left him with a, a gash in his in his calf. Um, yeah, I mean, Kelleher had been in contention to be on the bench at Wembley on, on Saturday. Obviously, Mignolet came came back early from international duty with Belgium, uh, having hurt his, a finger in uh, in training. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah it's, it's, it's a blow. Obviously, Kelleher recently signed a long, long-term pro deal. You know, it's been well documented that Klopp was absolutely delighted with his progress over the summer. Uh, it, effectively, Liverpool's third choice behind uh, Alisson and, and Mignolet. But uh, yeah, that will likely keep him out to the back end of October now. Um, and it means that Camille Grabara will be on, on standby in terms of bench duty for the weekend. Although, you know, I, I get the impression that, that Mignolet will be OK. I think it was more a precaution than anything else. It was a sprain rather than a break. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still expect Mignolet to, to be on the bench and, and waiting if, uh, if, if called upon. Barring any major surprises or late injuries, uh, worries or scares, Mo Salah will be playing on Saturday. Harry Kane, no doubt, will be playing for Tottenham like he always does. That nice little subplot, you know, their battle to be top scorer like it was last season and, and this game. Yeah, you know, I think that they. There's no doubt that they'll be two of the main contenders for the for the Golden Boot again. I think it'd be interesting to see how they fare. I don't, don't think either of them have, have hit top form in the opening month of the season so far. I think you know you, you kind of look at both of them and you wonder how much all the demands placed on them physically have, have maybe just taken the edge off them. Um, you know, Salah hasn't been at, at the same level he was at last season, although it's probably not a massive surprise because, it, you know, to try and live up to the, the heights he hit last term is asking a lot. Um, and similarly with Kane, I think, you know, there's a stat knocking around this week that I think he'd started 62 games for club and country since the since the start of last season. And, um you know, big big demand placed on him. You know, he did look fatigued when he was when he was away with England. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they how they fare because uh, you know Liverpool will certainly be hoping they'll be facing a Kane who's below par because you know he he's shown in those recent games uh, against them. You know what a what what an all round striker he is because you know he is a he is a class act and. You know, they, with, with Tottenham without Kane at his best uh, are nowhere near the, the the threat that they can be. Just a final one, as you touched on the part, at the start of this interview, it's uh, the start of a really hectic run in, in league and cups. Does Klopp now, do you think, start to have to rotate his squad, maybe even start on Saturday, giving Paris Saint-Germain's a couple of days later? Yeah, I think I, I, I'd be amazed if he picked a team on Saturday with Tuesday night in mind, just because... I think he'll know that this is such a big game, and a, and a kind of, you know, it's it's the first proper test of his, of, of Liverpool's season and all the the kind of optimism and positivity that's been generated by the opening month of the season and winning four out of four. So I, I can't. I, I think in his mind, I, I think it'd be a very similar team that plays against Tottenham and plays against PSG, barring barring obviously injuries or any other. Issues that that come up, I think. I think where we might see him ring the changes would probably be the following weekend against Southampton. I think you know we've talked a lot about the the increased depth and you know how how strong the bench has looked and 
you know, players who haven't even made the bench, um, you know, international players, people like Klein and uh, and Origi, people like that, Solanke, um, you know, they're they're going to be needed without doubt over the next four weeks. I think I think Saturday is the start of seven games across three competitions in 22 days. Um, but I, yeah, I'd be surpri- I'd be surprised if we if we saw kind of major changes or you know, if any, to be honest, across these first two games because you know there's no doubt that Tottenham away is one of the toughest games you you face in an entire Premier League season and PSG regardless of how far Liverpool get in the Champions League this season again you know it, it doesn't really get much harder than than facing PSG who are genuine contenders to go all the way this season so um yeah it's it, it just it feels like this is almost like the the start of the season again for Liverpool you know they've They've uh, you know done fantastically well so far in terms of in terms of finding a way to win, but there's no doubt that they're going to have to go up a level now because uh, the bar is being raised by the the standard of opposition they now you know have in front of them. But you know it's there's nothing for them to to fear. I think um, you know they should really have beaten Tottenham at, at Anfield uh, last season, and you know what what a game to then have mid midweek PSG coming to Anfield and. Cavani and Neymar and Mbappe you know that's that's what you want you want to be competing against the best and Liverpool showed with that run to the Champions League final that they can compete and and beat the best when when they're at it so um yeah can't wait for it to get underway again the blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo the blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo Hi Alistair, thanks very much for joining me on this podcast. Are you okay and looking forward to the game on Saturday? All good, thanks. Yeah, really looking forward to it. It should be a cracker. Definitely. It should have been the match that it was Spurs' homecoming, the first competitive game at the new ground, but instead it will be played at Wembley. You've been down at the new ground today, so it's Wednesday afternoon when we're, we're making this call. What's the latest with it? It's uh, it's looking very shiny. It's um, <laughs> lots and lots of glass, but unfortunately not finished. Um, it is It's getting there. But uh, they've just got these issues, unfortunately, with the um, critical safety systems is the technical term. Um, I think there's about 250 of them that were needed to pass a certain test and only about 28 of them did. So they're currently going through miles and miles of cables to try and work out exactly what's gone wrong. So from the outside, it's kind of looking like a football stadium now, but on the inside, it's probably a slightly different matter. But I'll be honest with you, um, I was going to say, I think the Spurs players are probably quite happy it's going to be at Wembley, not at a brand new ground to face Liverpool. Just purely because of comfort. They're, they're, they're very comfortable at Wembley now. They're, um, they've been there, well, a whole of last season, uh, Fulham game this season, Champions League games the season before last. They know how to play there. And obviously, they know how to beat Liverpool there as well. Um, so I think they'll probably be more comfortable there than going to a completely new venue that they never even well probably even trained on it would have been at this point of course what's what's the feeling among the fan base about the the stadium delay are they are they quite relaxed about it knowing that it will come sooner rather than later oh that would be nice um no well social media is a bit of a funny place isn't it obviously it gives kind of the more vocal people their chance um i think there's annoyance purely for the fact that Spurs obviously have sold their big expensive season tickets on the back of this new stadium and Ultimately, the fans are getting refunds. They're getting their money back. But it's obviously frustrating when you've paid out. There's adverts all over the London underground saying the only place to watch 
uh, Champions League football in London, which is ironic because it wasn't. It's, it's now going to be Wembley. Um, and there's a slight, yeah, there's frustration. I think it just comes off the back of a transfer window where Spurs didn't sign anyone. So kind of the one, two of those two coming together and the delays, just fans are a bit bit frustrated. I think anyone that's been down there um, is probably quite excited at what's to come and they kind of understand maybe the club are a little bit ambitious in the first place and trying to rush it through. Uh, and they're just kind of looking forward to it. But there's definitely a, a vocal, possibly minority, because social media kind of allows that, that are just a bit bit fed up. You mentioned the fact that Tottenham didn't sign a player in the summer. I think it was the first Premier League club since the transfer window opened for that to happen. Was that purely down to the cost of the stadium of building such a you know a new ground? Um, I think that would play a part in it. Um, I think, as much as the Spurs fans don't always want to believe it, I think Pochettino plays a part as well. He's an incredibly fussy manager. He has really certain kind of players that he wants for a certain way he plays and from everything I've kind of been told he's, he's a, it's a, it's very tough to buy in players and I think over the years Spurs have bought a few duds that has kind of only kind of hardened his resolve in really wanting the right players and I think that came into play along with the fact that Spurs have got a bit of a problem with homegrown players or a lack of um, they actually had three too many uh, non-locally trained players for their Champions League squad they call it because we've got this weird situation where Ben Davies has had his academy years in Wales, mm-hmm. so technically isn't an English player or a player from this nation. Eric Dyer trained out in Portugal as a youngster, so he's not. So we've got this strange thing where other teams seem to be fine with it, and Spurs pretty much couldn't sign a foreign <laughs> player. So that left you with well, Jack Grealish, <laughs> and they completely made a mess of that transfer. So uh, there's a number of factors, but essentially... Yeah, yeah, it was it was a mess. <laughs> That's the only way to describe the summer, really. But on the flip side, we live in kind of an age, don't we, where transfers, I think, are celebrated more than some wins at times, certainly on social media. But, you know, you look at Tottenham squad on paper, even without any new additions, is it still pretty strong? Are you, are you still pretty happy with it? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, there's the stability argument, of course. You know, Spurs have had the same kind of crop of players, essentially, for the last three or four seasons. A young team that's kind of grown with each season. So definitely there's that side to it. I think there's still probably light in a couple of areas, mainly kind of up front. Although I think Poch is trying to turn Lucas Moore into a bit of a Harry Kane backup and support at the moment. Um, but no, on, on paper, just once they get all these injured players back, they've got a few like Lamella and, and Winks and Wanyama who've kind of been in and out recently with injuries. Um, once they're all back, their bench is incredibly strong. Uh, it's just getting them back because I remember the first, I think it was the first game of the season at Newcastle, it was a bit ropey the bench, and at Watford they had I think it was like four or five defensive players, a goalkeeper and one striker. It's It was very unbalanced. I think it'll be a stronger bench come Saturday though. Before we get to the game on Saturday itself, what have you made to Spurs' start to the season? Up until that Watford match, it was, it was perfect, like Liverpool's has been over four games. But then that first defeat at uh, Vicarage Roads, uh, are people happy with the first four games? Um, I think so, on the whole. I think the first three games certainly papered over a lot of the frustrations that we were talking about earlier. Um, I don't think it was perfect. I think Pochettino himself was really... It was quite kind of almost angry about the Man United game where obviously on paper everyone looks at the result 3-0 but he was he was really annoyed with the side because he felt that it, they could have been blown away in that first half and it would have been all over before they even really got going 
Um, and he told them, you know, they couldn't take that into Watford, which they did exactly the same <laughs> against Watford. Um, they're just a bit fragile at the moment. Ironically, he's kind of brought Toby Alderweireld back in, uh, which should be the answer to all their any defensive woes. But actually, they were probably more stable when they had the back four last season. He's experimenting a little bit this year, which maybe isn't producing the strongest base for the team. But certainly results-wise, there isn't too much to complain about, really. Yeah, I was reading one of your pieces on the football.london website today and he was talking about how Pochettino, you, what you touched on there, is he's not settled, has he, on a shape or on personnel yet? Is, do you think he will by by Saturday, do you know, given the good results they've had against Liverpool in the past? Oh, it's, it, it, it is. I think a lot of it does come down to Verald. He's um, he's clearly told the player kind of he's got a fresh slate. Um, nobody, they wouldn't accept any bids for him or any decent bids anyway. And now he's got to work him back into his team. And he also is a massive fan of Davinson Sanchez. And I think the problem with that is he's now trying to force this back three on the team. And the two occasions they've started matches with it, Fulham and Watford, They've looked ropey. They really have. And against Fulham, he had to change it in order to win the game. And yeah, I completely, I just don't think he's found that balance yet to his team, which is strange when we speak about, we were talking about the stability a moment ago. He knows these players inside out. And obviously, I think Lucas Moura's played his part as well in a weird way. He's been superb and Pochettino has, he's a funny one. Um, I've asked him so many times about Lucas Moura. If you want to get a lot of praise about a player, in particular Lucas Moura out of Poch, you're not going to get it. <laughs> it's a really odd situation. He refuses to big him up. The other day I asked him about him after the Man United game and he was praising the scouting team instead of Lucas <laughs> Lucas Moura, very strange. Um, and I think the form of Lucas Moura has kind of created this good thing, but also a problem in a way that Poch is now playing with like a front two, which is just not something that Spurs really do. They're used to kind of Ali sitting off of Kane or, or Son maybe sitting off, whereas Lucas is now playing in a more advanced role to Kane. And it has all these little kind of side effects across the pitch and it's altering the formation and where like Ericsson is dropping deeper. And yeah, I think Pochettino just kind of needs to make a decision really um, whether he goes with something that's good for one player or maybe goes with something that's good for the team in a couple of positions You mentioned Harry Kane there everyone knows his quality we saw it again at the World Cup in the summer with England but is he firing on all cylinders yet and is, is that something to do with what you were talking about a moment ago about Mora's position in the team? Yeah, it's a bit of that and a bit of the fact that I think he's just knackered. <laughs> he just, I, I mean he's played. Oh, I think Harry Neville came out with a comment last night or something about since the under-21 championships a few summers ago, Harry Kane started 175 matches. Wow. It's, it's incredible. He's been flogged to pieces pretty much because Spurs don't have a viable backup to him. Um, so he's never got rested. Even in FA Cup matches, he played. I think a lot of that was Harry Kane wanting to play and score goals. But he's yeah, he just looks knackered. He looks like a guy that could just do with... Just a month off, but he's just not going to get it. Um, and I do think Lucas, weirdly, after watching England over the summer and how Raheem Sterling was playing as a more advanced striker, Harry Kane probably thought, I'll come back to Spurs, be the main man again, it'll be great. And then he finds Lucas Moura playing in essentially the Raheem Sterling role. Um, I think both of the things combined, he hasn't looked quite right since his last ankle injury. He... He was always a guy that kind of you he bustles past opponents, he beat the last man, take pot shots from everywhere. Whereas now he, he comes quite deep. Uh, he looks to link up the play probably even more than he used to, and he's not in those positions to finish off chances like he used to be. Um it's it's a problem that Potch has got to kind of 
work out because yeah he was obviously against Liverpool I think in both games last season Kane was obviously quite decisive in the end and if they're not going to have him firing all cinders on Saturday it could be tough yeah, what do you make of Liverpool? You know, we we were talking before we press record on this conversation about the uh, victory for Tottenham four one at Wembley in October last year, and the two two game later in the season. Do you think we'll be seeing a different Liverpool come Saturday than the one that was at Wembley last season? You'd think so. You really would. I mean, they've been fantastic. I, I mean, I, I loved watching Liverpool last season. I think obviously that front three is just it's it gives a great kind of shape and dynamism to the team. Spurs, I think on on. If you look back and kind of in performances wise, I think Spurs have always struggled in the last, in the Klopp era, certainly with Liverpool, because Spurs don't like teams coming at them in a very similar way to they, uh, to they play. They don't like pressing. They don't like being hassled on the ball. And Liverpool probably do that better than anyone, maybe barring Man City. And Spurs just can't deal with it. But strangely, last year, they, they found a way. And they need to rediscover whatever that was. I think the Anfield result, I'd say, was probably a bit lucky. Um, although maybe for both teams, obviously Kane missed a penalty as well, didn't he? But um, whatever the kind of magic they found in the Wembley game, they need to rediscover it. But Liverpool have made, you know, we talk about the transfer window. I think Liverpool were probably, probably the winners of the transfer window in the Premier League. Some of those early signings, getting them in through the doors were, were excellent. Um been very very impressed with the kind of additions they've made and it's I mean and you haven't got Dejan Lovren Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's uh, he's a guy that certainly struggled against Spurs recently and that, that actually played its part as well is that part of the frustration for Tottenham fans that you know Tottenham finished above Liverpool in the table last season and Liverpool have, have strengthened from a position of strength so to speak and, and, and Tottenham perhaps haven't even though as we were saying earlier you've still got a really good squad there yeah, yeah, possibly. The whole Liverpool Spurs thing is a strange one, isn't it? I think every year Liverpool are tipped for the very top, Spurs are tipped for probably fifth or sixth, and then some re- one reason or another over the last was it seven seasons, I think Liverpool have only finished above Spurs once. It's it's a really weird dynamic between the two, and it kind of seems to have now created this strange rivalry certainly on social media between the two sets mm-hmm. of fans I think a lot of that's probably through the uh, Salah and Kane rivalry as well but um, yeah I think Spurs probably did miss a trick um, over the summer and I think that they should have certainly added to their added to their squad but then we've seen well with Liverpool in previous season they have added to their squad and it hasn't quite taken them up to the next level it probably should have Although I would probably add the caveat that I think there's some of the signings probably are the ones that should be putting them up there. It really should. I think they they should be the main challenges to City. Yeah, again, we, we talk about that rivalry there on social media, but in many ways, the two managers, kindred spirits, teams similar, fairly young, aren't they? Uh, personnel in both lineups and committed to playing football the right way. Well, you and I would say yes. I would say yes, 100%. You ask Pochettino that, Pochettino really doesn't like that comparison. And I don't know why. It's a really strange one. He's been asked so many times, he said, do you see similarities? No, we're playing completely different ways. But but no, no, but you you both press, you have young teams, play with a real energy. It's all about getting the ball forward into the attacking areas. No, 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 I see two very different teams. It's a really strange one. He likes Klopp. I think they get on. But he just will not accept any kind of comparison between the two teams. Um, I have no idea why. I think they they are the two, probably in recent seasons, have played the nicest, most kind of attractive football. Obviously, it's tough, isn't it? We always kind of discount City because they're so good and ahead of the pack. 
Um, but certainly Liverpool and Spurs, I think, have really kind of lit up the Premier League in terms of their play and, and the goals they've got. I mean, Liverpool's total of goals was ridiculous last season. Um, and no, I think it'll, it'll make for a really good game. Or it should do. It should do. I say that, but I've just remembered I've gone back to a nil-nil White Hot Lane where they both completely cancelled each other out. Uh, hopefully we won't have one of those games. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.